It's Ken Harbaugh, host of Against All Enemies. We're trying something new with this segment you're about to hear. Every week for the past few months, I've been a guest on a conservative radio talk show. I do it because I want to reach audiences that don't often hear thoughtful, pro-democratic voices. And I agreed to appear on this show in particular because I have enormous respect for its host. David Bellavia is the only living Medal of Honor recipient from the war in Iraq. That alone merits my deepest admiration. But over the months, we've become genuinely good friends. Our conversations get heated at times, but never disrespectful. I thought I'd try sharing slightly edited versions of them on this show. If this audience finds them interesting and wants to hear more, we'll keep doing it. Let us know what you think in the comments. Here's me and David Bellavia, courtesy of News Radio 930 WBEN. Ken, I always appreciate your time. Thanks for making time, David. Hey, so listen, back in the old days, Max Boot was a neocon. Do you remember this guy? This There's a Washington Post op-ed that was written about Ukraine and uh, the war that's uh, going on with Russia. And he made a comment that's very controversial. Everyone's talking about it today, which is Ukraine is fighting our war for us. And that was a quote. Now, back in the old days, I'm I'm a recovering neocon. Okay, Ken, I was the guy uh, during the Iraq war that was like, we're fighting them there, so we don't have to fight them here. The terrorists hate our freedom, Ken. Like, that was me, right? And then guys like you and, you know, Paul Reichoff and all these other folks, they started talking to me and saying, listen, the neocon thing of just American adventurism you're breaking everything. Now we got to fix everything. Uh, we can't just go around the Middle East and, and kick things over because the military can't be the only apparatus of the federal government to fix things. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. And I've recovered. Now Max Boot, the neocon that led the movement during Iraq, is now leading the charge. And I don't know if you want the neocons in the Ukraine fight. Do, do you feel awkward and uncomfortable about that? Only a little bit, because I think the the alignment is the important thing, which is around supplying Ukraine with the tools to defend itself. I mean, the big difference is we're not in Ukraine. We are supplying material and funding and helping to defend that democracy. But the Ukrainians are doing the real work, which is fighting and dying in the trenches to defend their country. That, to me, is a pretty significant difference when you compare it to Iraq and Afghanistan. But so I will read that Ken Harbaugh op-ed. That is a cogent and passionate and legitimate argument. What you didn't say, though, is that we're fighting, they're fighting the war for us, which, which through subtext implies that if Ukraine was not fighting this war, America would be. That's the thing that those guys just can't get enough of. They, they, they really, so, I mean, Max Boot making the argument that we should go to war with Russia. Thankfully, Ukraine is doing it for us. I mean, that's, that to me is not helpful when you were trying to win hearts and minds and bring people over to supporting people fighting against Putin. That type of argument is what Tucker Carlson picks up on. And that's what spreads to millions of Americans, you know, that uh, support Trump. You're right about Tucker Carlson wanting to misinterpret any 
bit of media out there that can help bolster his claim that Russia is our friend, which they're not. But that's not quite how I read Max Boot's op-ed. What he is referring to is the fact that Russia is not just a threat to Ukraine. That's plain to see. They're a threat to democracies across the world and especially on their border in Eastern Europe. Look at the the Baltics. I mean, if you need to be convinced of this, just talk to Russia's neighbors. No one knows better than Russia's neighbors what a threat Russia has has become. And when Max Boot talks about the Ukrainians fighting this war for us, I think he's referring to the fact that we have friends over there that we are treaty bound to defend, that we are morally bound to defend. And sooner or later, knowing Putin for who he is, something like this was going to happen. And, you know, the signals from Moscow are pretty clear that Poland or other countries uh, around Ukraine and adjacent to Russia, we're going to be next. And at some point, you have to draw a line. Thank God Ukraine is that line right now. And they are, in, in Max Booth's words, fighting the war for us. We're helping, but they are the ones bleeding and dying. I want to talk about what's happening in New York City right now, the Trump trial, outside of what looked like I've never seen it looked like a Hesco bag from McDonald's that showed up to feed uh, the Trump team. I mean, the, the, you see the delivery of McDonald's that showed up. It was like four duffel bags of, of McDonald's outside of that. The Trump trial, it, it almost appears like he's waved the white flag. Like, I don't even think that he even thinks that there's a chance that he's going to win this civil uh, suit. Two hundred fifty million dollars. Letitia James shows up. She's sitting in the back. A lot of gamesmanship uh, for the cameras. But that image of Donald Trump, again, the indictments might add to his bump in the polls. A guilty verdict, we haven't seen that yet. What do you think, A, happens when he's found guilty? And B, what do you make of, of what to pull out of this trial? I think he's got the nomination either way. And I think that's just because of how broken our primary system in is and the way it skews to the extremes. Uh, I think that the numbers are already bearing that out, even though the vast majority of Americans do not want that. They believe in the justice system. They believe in equal treatment for all. Um, I think Donald Trump is going to get the nomination because of who votes in those key state primaries and he's he's got a machine behind him the rnc has pretty much stacked the deck so that he runs away with the nomination part of his problem is that he attracts people and i'm talking about the legal problems here he attracts people who don't tell him the truth who don't share with him tough facts about his situation and he's got a legal team here that has no idea what it's doing apparently he he's getting a bench trial instead of a jury trial because because one of his lawyers or a couple of his lawyers forgot to check a box i mean it, at some level it's just embarrassing that his defense is so inept i mean he doesn't have a prayer because he's guilty. That's the other piece of it. I think he is throwing in the towel because he is dead to rights. I mean, the trial is pretty much about damages at this point, not about guilt or innocence. Um, but I don't know that it affects the voters that much that he needs to win the primary, which is sad. Now, on the other side, uh, we've got Hunter Biden in court today. And what's really strange about this gun thing is that now Hunter Biden's team is using a defense that was articulated by Clarence Thomas in a Supreme Court gun decision. 
And I mean, is that not just like the richness of, you know, bipartisan getting together? Hunter Biden is, is actually used. The son of the president is using a defense that was written and articulated by Clarence Thomas in his defense where, I mean, again, Hunter Biden could literally be an agent of China. He could be the worst person on earth. Unless you can connect that behavior to the president, the president lying about his son. We don't want the president to lie about anything. It's not a good thing to have the president lie. However, when it comes to removing someone from office, I mean, 2024 is going to remove him from office. If you have a chance to beat him in the election, beat him in the election. But what what do you make of impeachment, Hunter, his problems and the connection to the president? Well, I think it is some crazy poetic justice that he is being brought up on gun charges and the right, of course, which carries the torch for for gun rights um, unrestrained across the country, hasn't a thing to say about about this case. Turns out it was politics all along. But I think this particular case is a window into how the two different parties think and operate at like a basic level. When you have Democrats like me saying, yeah, if Hunter's found guilty, equal justice under the law, he should pay the price. But you don't have that same thing on on the right. And I'm thinking about that moment during the impeachment inquiry when the Democratic congressman said, hey, everybody raise your hand if you think that if Hunter and Trump are both found guilty, they should pay the consequences. And only the Democrats raised their hands. That to me is is a terrible indictment of of where our politics is right now, that that one party is doing so much to shield their uh, their their titular leader and uh, and the other actually believes in the rule of law. There is actually something out of this Hunter case, though, that I am a little bit passionate about. And that's, you know, look, you're on drugs. You shouldn't have a gun, nor should you have a license to have a gun. But we're never going to encourage people to get help if we permanently punish them for previously having a drug problem. There has to be a way that you can reinstate your constitutional right after you've fixed a, a, a failing in your life and you're going towards the path of, of health and, and be normal again, there really isn't a way right now in our current federal structure that once you're addicted to drugs, you're pretty much never getting a gun again. Uh, I mean, that is something that we can at least look at, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a second chances kind of kind of guy. It's it's why red flag laws are designed. They are. These are state level, of course, but they're for immediate interventions to to save lives. Um, but they can be they can be reviewed. And that's gotta be an important part of any type of prohibition or red flag. You need that due process. You need the ability to to appeal. But given how widespread our gun violence epidemic is, we do need to tools like that in the immediate term to address people in moments of crisis. And real quick, we're close to Canada. We have a lot of Canadian listeners and we watch what happens in Canada as closely as what we watch what happens in the States. They're going through this thing with these independent news media, people like you, podcasters, people like me, you would have to register. If you wanted burn the boats to be heard in Canada, you would have to register burn the boats through the Canadian government for people to hear that program. 
this isn't political to me. This is really about speech. What's going on in Canada that they're restricting news like Facebook and independent news and podcasters and bloggers? Does that make you feel good or bad? Well, it makes me feel uh, grateful in this case uh, and some others to be an American. I think the difference is we have a First Amendment. Congress shall make no law, right? Um, and that certainly has its its downsides. Um, it, it means that offensive speech is still protected speech, uh, but the the government of the United States uh, is restricted from from making laws that can limit um, my my ability to to have a podcast. I can't yell fire in a crowded theater. There are obviously some common sense limitations on that, uh, but we have protections that our best friends to the north do not. That is Ken Harbaugh, and he went through like six topics and just breezed right through all of them, uh, just like he was back in the in the jet. Ken, thank you for your service to our country. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Great being here, David. Thank you.